And we thank you that your word is available to us this morning by revelation. So I decree that everyone connected to this service this morning, the eyes of your understanding flooded with light. I decree that everyone receives revelation and insight into the world. Bodies and yokes are destroyed. Whatever is not planted by God is rooted out in the name of Jesus. Father, we decree and declare that this morning your people are built up, equipped, edified. And we decree that by the end of this service, nobody lives here the same way they came. We give you praise, glory, and honor for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says a powerful amen. amen. Praise God. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith. There's a lot of noise on my monitors. You need to come here quickly and sort it out. Say these words with me. By faith, uh, I, am, I, uh, I believe the word of God. I am what the word of God says I am. I can do what the word says I can do. I receive revelation. I receive understanding. And I declare that I am anointed to do the word of God. I do not struggle to obey the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore, this morning, I will receive revelation knowledge. And I declare, by the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name. And every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service this morning by way of Kingdom Life Network. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. We want to welcome all of you that are connected, social media, family, brothers and friends on social media. We are so glad that you are a part of this church family. And every time it's always an honor and a joy for me to serve you the grace of God through the teaching and the preaching of God's word. I also want to welcome the whole Akwaibom State community connected by way of Comfort FM, XL FM, Radio Akwaibom, Unio FM, Inspiration FM, and Heritage FM. What a joy to have all of you connected to the service. Hey guys, get ready. It's going to be an exciting time of study. You need to call a friend, a loved one, and ask them to tune to this radio station right now. Life is flowing through the airwaves. Our social media community, like you've always done, I'd like you to do me the same favor this morning. Let's get this word to the ends of the earth. And you've always done it. Let's do it again. Help me share the video on your page. Tag some people, call some friends, you know, invite some friends. And of course, make sure you put the video on all the groups. And as many as groups as you can join, join them and get the video right in there. Let's flood the earth with the fragrance of Jesus' grace. Put the videos on monogram, telegram, and WhatsApp groups. All our campuses around the world, what a joy to have all of you connected. And all the Bible study centers, we're really excited to serve you the grace of God this morning morning. So fasting your seatbelts. We're going to have an adventure in the world. Are we excited to be here this morning? Can we celebrate the word of God with a shout this morning? Glory! Amen! Grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible, and you can be seated with your sweet, smart self as we get right into the word this morning. Now, as we begin the study this morning, let me quickly recommend once again these books. If you've never gotten a copy of this book, you need to stop by the bookstand. And if you're watching online, you need to order for it. Money with a mission. Money with a mission. It will help you a lot with the things I have taught in the last one week. Money with a mission. The second book you've got to read and you must order for is Bible Truth About Material Wealth. Bible Truth About Material Wealth. You know, students that don't buy textbooks hardly pass exams. These are your textbooks for this particular course. And they're on, in the bookstand. You can stop by and get a copy and read through the week. 
Read the books through the week so that the things we have taught you can resonate on your inside and can settle in. Amen. <clears throat> so we've been looking at Bible truth on tithe and tithing. Bible truth on tithe and tithing. And it's been an adventure, a week of so much insight and revelation. Is that true? Alright, so this morning we're looking at the believer and the tithe today. The believer and the tithe today. <clears throat> the question many people keep asking me, should a born-again, spirit-filled believer in the new covenant, can he pay tithe? Should he pay tithe? Could he pay tithe? I won't answer that question straight because sometimes lazy minds want you to answer questions straight. Yes, the Bible is yes and no. Let your yea be yea, your nay be nay. You know, uh, in Christ Jesus, yes and amen. But sometimes you probably need to explain why it is yes and sometimes why it is no. In the book of Second Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to read that in a few minutes, but just listen carefully. Oftentimes we have different school of thoughts, different school of thoughts. And you know, I keep asking people, why is this titan issue so controversial, man? This titan issue is very, very controversial. And it shouldn't be. Why should it be so controversial? You know, once you start talking about tight, everybody goes, bam. Everybody. Everybody pays attention. Why is it so? Well, maybe because it's related to money, you know. I think so. Because when you talk about prayer, people don't get that way. When you talk about um, uh, 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 the love of God, people don't get that way. When you talk about, um, you know, the forgiveness of sins, people don't really get that way. But the moment you talk about tight, tithing, whoa, everybody goes. Not even giving. Once it is having that caption, tight, it gets people's attention. And I think it's just because it's money. And it's a very controversial subject in the body of Christ. All right, now... Let's take a wholesome look on the subject. A wholesome look today, first and second service. And it's important that if you listen to first service, you must listen to second service. Because if you don't listen to the two services, you didn't hear anything. It's very important. So let's take a wholesome look on the subject. Because most of us here are teachers of the word. People are going to ask you questions and people are going to learn from you. And a teacher of the word must be informed, must be very well informed, right? Now, so whatever position you take must not be based on sentiments or trying to respond to some people. Your position should not be to respond. Your position should not be sentimental. It must be based on the word of God. It must be based on the word of God. So 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse number 15. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse number 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Remember the scriptures here refers to Genesis to Malachi. And so it talks about salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 16 and 17 of the same chapter. It says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto every good work. The first thing to understand is that the scriptures are inspired of God. 
The word inspired there means it was given by God's inspiration. We discovered that the scriptures refers to prophecies inspired by God. The scriptures refers to prophecies inspired by God. The types and shadows inspired by God. That is God inspired the building of the ark as a type and a shadow. Or God inspired the giving of Abel's offering as a type and a shadow. So in the inspiration of God, we see types and shadows. In the inspiration of God, we see prophecies. In the inspiration of God, we see types and shadows. Please listen very carefully. And in the inspiration of God, we see prophecies. In First Peter chapter 1 verse 10 to 12. First Peter chapter 1 verse 10 to 12, referring to the scripture says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that shall come unto you. Next verse. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that shall follow. The prophets testified. The prophets testified before time. They testified ahead of time, the prophets. And what was the testimony of the prophets? The sufferings of Christ and the glory that shall follow. In Second Peter chapter 1 verse 19 and 20. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 19 and 20. We have also a martial word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. Verse 20. <clears throat> Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, the prophecies that were given came from the same source. They came from the same source. Observe something. In Luke chapter 24, verse 44, in Jesus' first teaching after resurrection. Luke chapter 24, verse number 24. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you. Luke 24, 44. Ernest, please check who is playing on that system. I need somebody serious there. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Concerning me. So observe the distinction which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets. Observe the distinction. The law, the prophets and the Psalms. And they mean different things. The law, types and shadows. The prophets, prophecy. Ahead of time. Okay? Now, when you see the law, like I said, it refers to the period of types and shadows. Then you talk about the prophecies contained in the book of the prophets. They were inspired to, to talk about the things concerning Christ. 
the things concerning Christ. In verse 25, look at the restriction that Jesus used there. In verse 25, Luke 24, 25, and he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. All that the prophets have spoken. Next verse. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? The prophets have spoken that Christ will suffer. The prophets, the prophets, okay, take note, the prophets have spoken. Next verse. And beginning at Moses, Moses, distinction, and all the prophets, different, Moses, the law, types, and shadows, the prophets, the prophecies of his suffering and the glory that will follow, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he didn't just stick to the prophets. He went to Moses. Because Moses is not the prophet. So he went to Moses. So when you are referring to the scriptures, you are referring to Moses, which is types and shadows. The law. Where God said to Moses, build according to the pattern. The pattern which you saw on the mount. So whatever Moses built was a type, was a pattern. Types and shadows. Build according to the pattern. But the prophecies were not according to the pattern. Whatever Moses saw was built according to the pattern. But the prophets were not prophesying according to the patterns. They were prophesying concerning the sufferings of Christ and the glory that will follow. Please pay attention to that distinction because it will come in handy in a bit. That's what constitutes what we refer to as the scriptures. The law according to the pattern types and shadows. The prophecies concerning the sufferings of Christ and the glory that will follow. So, Moses is the law. Then, the prophets and the Psalms grant salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So, all of them point to Jesus. Whether the Lord, the prophets and the Psalms. Now, we have said, therefore, that Paul said to Timothy, in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study the word spudazo. It means be diligent or be eager to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word ototobio. The word rightly dividing, we get that word from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. Next verse. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That word, direct your path, is where we get the word to rightly divide. It means to navigate your way through. To navigate your way through. So he's saying to you that you can navigate your way through the Old Testament. Which Paul was referring to. And in navigating your way through the Old Testament, you can get the word of truth. You can get the word of truth. So the word of truth is a navigation of Genesis to Malachi. 
The word of truth is a navigation of Genesis to Malachi. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he had appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds. So we discover that in the types and shadows he spoke unto the fathers by and in the prophets. In these last days he has spoken unto us in his son. So we find the types and shadows of God speaking. The types and shadows of God speaking. However, I said that to let you see that the inspiration of the scriptures is talking about the fact that the scriptures speak about Jesus. The inspiration of the scriptures confirms to us that the scriptures are centered on the Christ. That the inspiration of the scripture is the spirit of Christ. The inspiration of the scriptures is the spirit of Christ. Please pay attention. The spirit of Christ. That is the spirit that speaks concerning the advent of Christ. That is the inspiration behind the Bible. It's not just any inspiration. And that inspiration therefore lets us know that it is one message, one message, one content of the Bible. One message, one content of the Bible. The Bible is one context. One message, one content of the Bible. The Bible is one context. Context. Christ. One content. Christ. One context. Christ. One content. Christ. And the Bible it is towards one people. Us. One context. Christ. One content. Christ. Towards a people. Us. Towards a people. Us. So, that's clear in Bible study. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, Brother Paul points something very instructive to a teacher and a student of the Bible. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, the word of Philemon's, advantageous or useful for doctrine, for reproof. For correction, for instruction in righteousness. The word profitable means it is able to produce doctrine. The scriptures are able to produce doctrine. Reproof, which is part of doctrine. Correction, which is part of doctrine. And instruction in righteousness. The scriptures are able to produce that. And of course, you know what the scriptures are. Genesis to Malachi. So, Genesis to Malachi, when we navigate through, we arrive at the truth. That the scriptures are able to produce doctrine. 
explanation that will bring evidence. Evidence that will bring correction. Correction that will bring instructions that produces spiritual growth. All of that can be derived from the scriptures. Genesis to Malachi. Are you still in the building? In other words, it means therefore that at this point when this was written, there was no book of Romans. There was no book of Colossians. There was not what we call the epistles, not even the book of John. In fact, when this was written, there was no book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were written after Romans to Revelation were written. Okay, so there was none of those books. All they had in the church back then was Genesis to Malachi. So all their teachings were from Genesis to Malachi. What we call the epistles today is a compilation of what was taught from Genesis to Malachi, rightly divided. A compilation of what was taught to the churches from Genesis to Malachi, rightly divided. Are you still in the building? So as a pastor, you were expected back then to use Genesis to Malachi to teach sound doctrine. To use Genesis to Malachi to teach sound doctrine. In other words, that means Christian living in those days was derived from the study of the word from Genesis to Malachi. Are we in the building here? From Genesis to Malachi. Now, today, our work is lessened. Why? Because we have the epistles where the scriptures are already rightly divided. We have the epistles where the scriptures are already rightly divided. The understanding of Genesis to Malachi has been given unto us in the epistles. The understanding of Genesis to Malachi has already been given to us in the epistles. So, if I can get the epistles from the Old Testament, it means, therefore, there's a similar chord, chord, a similar chord that runs from Genesis to Revelation. If I can get the epistles out of Genesis, I mean, to, to Malachi, it means there is a similar chord that runs from Genesis to Revelation. Please pay attention. If they can say the same thing, one prophetically and one in fulfillment, that means there's something that ties everything together. And that's the spirit of Christ. There's something that ties everything together in the Bible. And that's the spirit of Christ. That shows there's a train of thoughts that flows. Now notice this. It says to teach. So I have Genesis to Malachi to teach. I have Genesis to Malachi to teach from. I have it for evidence as well. I have Genesis to Malachi for evidence. Then, I have Genesis to Malachi for correction. It means, therefore, that I can give instructions in righteousness from Genesis to Malachi. Are we in the building? Mm -mm. 
All scripture therefore is for us. All scripture therefore is for us. Is advantageous to us. Sometimes there's a way people dismiss the Old Testament. And that's laziness. No, it's Old Testament. No, it's Old Testament. We are New Testament people. Oh, that one is Old Testament. That's lazy. That's not dutiful. Because it's sure fulfilled in Christ. The Old Testament is sure fulfilled in Christ. But remember that in the New Testament we have the better promises. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5 to 7. We have the better, a more excellent. We have a more excellent. We have better promises. The New Testament is the Old Testament fulfilled. The New Testament is the Old Testament fulfilled. Which means the fulfillment of the Old Testament is what is called the New Testament. The fulfillment of the Old Testament is what is called the New Testament. Because the Old Testament was promissory, typical and symbolic. It was promissory, typical and symbolic. So its fulfillment in Christ The fulfillment of the Old Testament in Christ is what we call the New Testament. It's not like we have two testaments. No, we don't have two testaments. It's one testament. One promise, one fulfilled. So the new is the fulfillment of the old. The old is the promise of the new. It's one testament. We don't have two testaments. Old Promise, new fulfillment of the old. Is it getting clear? Yeah. One was given, and then the fulfillment of what was given is called the New Testament. That's why the Old Testament was between Israel and God. The New Testament is now between, it's not between anybody. The Old Testament was between Israel and God. The New Testament is not between anybody. The New Testament is between God and God. The New Testament is between God himself. Fulfilling what was existing between God and Israel that Israel could not fulfill. Am I communicating at all? Are you here or you've gone home? Okay. Okay. So, the New Testament is between God and Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. The arrival of Jesus retires the Old Testament. So, there's no testament between the church and God. There's no testament. We are not a covenant people. We are not a covenant people. Leave all those things about covenant day of fruitfulness, covenant day of uh, protection, covenant day, all, all those things. We are not God's covenant people. Mm-mm. We are God's children. 
You can't say you are covenant with somebody and call yourself a child of the person. No. If you are in covenant, that's a different ball game. If you are a child of somebody, there's no covenant. You and your father don't have a covenant. You have a relationship where your father is responsible for your growth and development. You don't have a covenant with your father. It's a relationship. You and God don't have a covenant. The moment you introduce a covenant, you change all the dynamics. We are not God's covenant people. We are God's children. We are family. We are heirs of the kingdom. We are joined heirs with the son. We are children of the kingdom. We are family. We are one. We are not covenant. We are family. Covenant is between God and himself. And in that covenant, he stated that he will produce a family. So the family is as a result of the covenant within himself. Am I communicating at all? I will be to them a father. They shall be to me sons and daughters. That's been the plan from the beginning of time. Once you start introducing covenant, you're going legalistic. Because once you say covenant, there are terms, there are conditions. And if you break them, you're punished. But once you talk about family, there is forgiveness. Because there is love. And love covers a multitude of sins. That's family. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody here. That's family. We are God's family. We are not covenant. I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family where? In heaven and where? On earth is named. That's family now. That's not covenant. Okay? So just leave that side. Because the proof of that new covenant is sonship. Now are we the sons of God. Behold... What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called what? The sons of God. Now are we the sons of God. As many as receive him to them gave the power to become the sons of God. Of his own will begat he us. He gave birth to us. Of his own will begat he us by the word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruit of his creature. Whatsoever is born of God. Born, born, born of God. You have the DNA, the sperm of God give back to you. You are born of God. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Somebody shout, I'm a member of God's family. Am I teaching good this morning? Please stay with me. So what we are today, we are sons and daughters of God in Christ. But then we can dismiss the Old Testament carelessly if we are not careful. And, uh, you know, <laughs> but that wouldn't be dutiful of a minister. For instance, when we talk about meditation, <laughs> when we talk about meditation, we go to Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein how much? Day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all. Observe to do. That's law. 
according to all that is written therein. Then if you do, so then consciously or unconsciously, we are not paying attention that the meditation is in the book of the law. This book of the law, the law of Moses to Israel. He's not talking to you. He's talking to the Israelites that were given the law. And when we quote it as if we are referring to the epistles, we forget that it's the law of Moses. Now, so we take that and use that for meditation. Psalm 1 verse 1 to 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standing in the way of sin, as not sin and seed of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. In his law, in his law, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His leaf also shall not wither, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Okay? Meditate in the law. Psalm 1 verse 1 to 3. The law of Moses. He says, the law. So for us, what we do in the New Testament is we learn the word meditation. So we take meditation out and we leave the law for them. We are rightly dividing. We take meditation out because that meditation is the key to practice. But, but either way, that means there's something we're learning from it. Okay, we're learning something from that entire composition. We are not learning the law, but we picked out something that is useful to us called meditation. So that means from the scripture we get instruction for right living. Because meditation is part of what produces right living. Meditation. To think through, to muter, to ponder. To roll over. To think through and through and through. Meditation. So we can learn meditation from that. Yes, we know that the law is a type and shadow. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come. And not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the commas thereunto perfect. Meditation, therefore, is a practice. And Jesus talked about meditation. In Mark chapter 4 verse 24, give me the amplified Mark chapter 4 verse 24. <clears throat> Mark chapter 4 verse 24. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 4, verse 24. Is he struggling to find Amplified? And he said unto them, Be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study. That's meditation. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. See that? The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. This is Jesus teaching on meditation. 
Brother Paul writes to Timothy in First Timothy chapter 4 verse 15. Give me the King James Version. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 15. Meditate upon these things. Where did Paul get it from? Joshua 1 8. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Brother Paul will speak to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are of good report, whatsoever things are lovely, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. The same word for meditate. So we say, this book of the law, the law was given to Moses on Mount Sinai, to us, that law is fulfilled as the finished work of Christ. So I will apply my meditation to the finished work of Christ. My meditation will not be on the law, because that law has been fulfilled by Christ. So as a New Testament believer, I will pick the meditation. However, my meditation will be on the finished work of Christ. So you don't dismiss the book and say, Christ fulfilled all. There are things to pick from there that are useful to the believer in the New Testament. If you just trash the New Testament, you will lose a lot. Acting that way. Now, so remember, we are talking about tithe, right? Uh huh. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Mm-mm, stay with me, stay with me. You will love this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Next verse. For by it the elders, for by it the elders obtained good report. By it faith. The elders obtained a good report. Please stay with me. We can look away from Genesis and say that's just Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. But then he mentions Moses and David and a lot more people in Hebrews 11. And these were folks under the law. And the Bible lets us know that they obtained good report. Through faith, they obtain good report. Then he tells us again in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, that we are surrounded with a cloud of witnesses. A cloud of witnesses. So that means there are witnesses to faith. There are witnesses of the faith. Even in the old covenant that has been fulfilled by Jesus, there are witnesses. Now look at Romans chapter 15 verse 4. Let me begin this teaching. Romans chapter 15 verse 4. For whatsoever things we are written aforetime, we are written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of Genesis to Malachi might have hope. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So, the things that were written in Genesis to Malachi, were written for our didascalia. They were written for our teaching and explanation. That we, when we teach and learn from them, they will bring us comfort. So, we don't just trash the Old Testament. 
That means the things written before the New Testament, before the epistles, were written for what? Our learning. Our learning. First Corinthians 10, 11. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them for examples. And they are written for our learning. The word admonition. For our learning upon whom the ends of the world are come. Referring to Israel and the wilderness to Canaan. The word example there is a very, very bad word for examples. Example means an example like something that happened to them will happen to you. But actually the word there is symbolic. It is supposed to be a figure. They were written, they, these things that happened to them happened symbolically for our learning. That's the way you should read. They happen symbolically for our learning. All these happened as symbolic events. And they were written for our admonition or instruction. The word admonition is the word for instruction. Upon whom the ends of the world are come. Please stay with me. So we have symbolic things in the Old Testament. Symbolic things. Written for our instruction. Written for our what? Instruction. So in the symbolic, in the metaphorical of the Old Testament, we have things to learn. In the metaphors, in the symbols of the Old Testament, we have things to learn. Learning means that we have things that will be taught to us from those symbols. From those symbols, from those types, there are things that will be taught us from those. In the symbolic, there are things to learn, there are things to understand. In the symbolic representations of the Old Testament. So, we have things to learn, we don't just dismiss it. But Paul said, the law is good if it is used lawfully. You didn't hear that. The law is good. If it is used lawfully, if a man uses it lawfully, First Timothy one eight. First Timothy one eight. But we know, we know that the law is good. If a man uses it lawfully, teaching good. Stay with me. That is. If you use it the proper way, that means there's a proper way to use the law. Even today in the New Testament, there's a proper way. When you understand the basis of the law and how we can learn from the law, the law becomes useful for you. When you understand the basis and what we can learn from it. Because they are given and they are profitable. The scriptures are given and they are profitable. Paul says, we can get doctrine from the scriptures. We can get reproof from the scriptures. Genesis to Malachi. We can get correction from the scriptures and instructions in righteousness. Pedia, which we, where you get pediatric spiritual growth. Raising up a child by the way of the mouth. 
You can get that from the scriptures. You can get it from the law. So we want to begin this morning with lessons from the tithe. Lessons from the tithe. Because if they were written for our learning, then there must be lessons from the tithe. So the question again is, should a believer or can a believer pay tithe? Well, let's look at the lessons from the Old Testament on giving. We've looked at tithes, first fruits, firstborn offerings. Now we want to look at what lessons we can get from them. You don't just throw away everything. Uh -uh, There are things to take out. The first question is, should a Christian give tithe of his income in church? That's the first question. Now, is it not your income? 10% is it not part of your income? It's part of your income. Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> are we not studying the Bible? Uh, we are studying together. We are, we, are, we are studying together. And if I say something you don't understand, you are free to ask questions. So what is the matter? Relax. So that word tithe is an English word. It just means a tenth of your income. It doesn't mean antichrist. It's an English word. It simply means a tenth of your income. So, um, the question is, should a Christian give a tithe of his income, a tithe of his income in church? Well, of course, if you have been following me for long now, you know I don't just answer questions like that. So, let's get into the scripture and see. Now, pay attention. There are two schools of thought in the body of Christ. Okay? And if you are not careful, you will think I belong to one, but I don't belong to any. There are two schools of thoughts. The first school of thought says, the New Testament has abolished it. Forget it. That's one school of thought. The second school of thought says, it's continuing. And they have reasons. One of their reasons is that the tithe started before the law. It started in Genesis. 14. Then they quote Hebrews 7 and Matthew 23 and on and on. That school says we should give tithe because it was before the law of Moses. My issue with the school of thought is this. What they seem to focus on is on us, which is selfishness. I should give tithe. I, 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 I shouldn't give it. Both of the schools are selfish because the focus is, is more like, should we? Can't we? Can I? Can't I? Is focused on I. And you see, that kind of approach is selfish. Should I give tight? Why shouldn't I give? It's all about me, me, I, I. It's not what does God say about the tithe. It's about me. Should I? Should I not? Can't I? Couldn't I? Can I? It's not about what is God saying about that issue of the tithe. And that's the salient point that makes the two schools of thought ridiculous. That's actually where the rubber meets the road. Because the point is, what does God say? How many of you want to know what God says? Because that's what matters actually. Alright? Now, so, the critical question is, why did God ever request for the tithe? That's the question we should be asking. Why did God ever request for the tithe? 
When you know that, then the answer will be clear. You know exactly what the scripture says. Why did God ever request for the tithe? We know that the tithe is basically situated in the Old Testament. Except for the few times it's mentioned in the New Testament. Jesus mentioned it twice. Hebrews chapter 7 mentioned it between Abraham and Melchizedek. And in every Bible study, you should look at the law of first mention. Have I told you that before? You look for the law of first mention. Alright? When was it ever mentioned first? It's in Genesis chapter 14. That's the first time the word tithe ever appeared in the Bible. The background was Abraham just recovered Lot from captivity. He and his 318 men. And they came back with the spoils of war. It means you go to war, you win the war, and of course you know about war, when you go to war and win war, you come back with more than what was taken. Because you come back with what was taken and what they have in that land. So you come back with a lot of, you know, a lot of bounties. You come back with a lot of stuff from the spoil of war. Now Genesis 14, 16, please, I beg you, I beg you, if you ever followed what I taught from last Sunday till yesterday, I beg you, I need your 150% attention now. Genesis chapter 14, verse number 16. <clears throat> and he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods, and the women also, and the people. Verse 17. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedeloma and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shaveh, which is the king's dale. Which is the king's dale. 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the most high God. Melchizedek was a priest of the most high God. Verse 19 and 20. And he blessed him. That's the priesthood of Jesus. The priesthood of Jesus is the priesthood of the blessing. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. Did you observe that it was not after Abraham gave tithes that he was blessed? He was blessed before he gave tithes. He blessed him. Straight. Blessed. Because he's not expecting anything from Abraham. Blessed be Abraham of the Most High. The possessor of the heavens and the earth. That is Abraham. The reason why you won the war. The reason why you defeated your enemy. Is because you are blessed. He brought Abraham's attention to the victory that Abraham just got. And out of gratitude for what victory Abraham has won. Abraham said, no, I can't take the blessing empty-handed. In honor to the blessing that God gave me, take a tenth of what we brought. Are we together here? Melchizedek didn't ask for it. But Abraham had sense enough to know that if I have been this blessed, I can't just be giving testimony empty-handed. If God has indeed done well for me, I've got to respond to God in honor. In honor. A tenth of the spoils of the recovery. Look at verse 20. Notice, Melchizedek said, blessed. 
not cause. So he acknowledged that Abraham won that victory because of the blessing. Notice the law of first mention. No record that God asked him to give the tithe. But he gave. He wasn't asked. It was not an obligation. Genesis 28.16 is the second place where the word tithe showed up. 28.16 And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. Next verse. Jacob was in a vision. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Verse 18. And Jacob arose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. 19. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. At the first. Are you still here? Give me the next verse. And Jacob vowed a vow saying. Nobody asked him. Jacob vowed a vow saying. If God will be with me, because it is always blessing before tithe. If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go. And don't forget, at this time, Esau was chasing to kill Jacob. So Jacob needed every help to stay alive. Okay, put it up. If God will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, and remnant to put on. Next verse. So that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tent unto thee. If you will bless me. If you will bless me. Alright, now. So, Jacob... In that Genesis account, we find that at no point do we have any record where God asked them for tithe. This came out of their own personal decision. The fact that God did not ask the tithe doesn't mean that the men that gave did not please the heart of God. The fact that God didn't ask doesn't mean that when they offered to him from the generosity of their heart, it didn't please him. Of course he did. Now, come over to Leviticus, the Levites. Leviticus 27, 30 to 32. Please follow me patiently. And all the tithes of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Underline it is holy unto the Lord. Underline that. It is holy unto the Lord. That's a good word to underline. Next verse. And if a man will at all redeem out of his tithes, he shall add there to the fifth part thereof. Next verse. And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tent shall be holy unto the Lord. Underline that. The tent shall be holy unto the Lord. God you know, God talked about a particular land that they were going. That's the promised land. Now, God gave them the promised land, which is a type of our inheritance in Christ. 
And he said to them, a tenth of everything you get out of that land is holy unto me. That is, is mine. It should be dedicated unto me. Remember, God spoke about a particular land. Even though we know that the whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. But God spoke about a particular specific land. Everything belongs to God. But God speaks about a specific promised land. What do we learn from that? It shows you that God never required type from people who did not have relationship with him. God never required type from people who never had relationship with him. The requirement of the law, I mean of the tithe, was for God's covenant people in the Old Testament. God's covenant people. Relationship preceded God's requirements of giving the tithe. Relationship preceded God's requirement of giving the tithe. Relationship. The tithe was given by God's people, not just everybody. So sometimes when you hear people say, that man is an unbeliever, but he pays tithe. See how God has blessed him. Stop that. Unbeliever. The offering of an unbeliever is an abomination to God. Because he cannot buy salvation. So an unbeliever giving to God is bribing his way. It's an abomination. He is desecrating the holy place. Proverbs 15 verse 8. Proverbs 15 verse 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. For an unbeliever to offer to God his money, he must first of all accept God's gift of salvation. He must. Proverbs 21.27 Proverbs 21.27 The sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. How much more when he bringeth it with a wicked mind? So, he, an unbeliever must acknowledge that he cannot stand before God. It will take Jesus for him to stand before God. An unbeliever must acknowledge that. But if he brings money to stand before God, that is an abomination. That's what happened to Cain. That was the problem of Cain. Cain and Abel were sinners. Their parents were sinners. All of them were sinners. Abel was not better than Cain. Two of them were in the same boat. They were all sinners. But in the garden, God taught them a principle. In the garden of Eden, after the fall of Adam, the principle of substitution, the principle of propitiation, and the principle of the blood. Because God wrapped Adam and Eve with the skins of an animal. And blood was all over the skin of that animal. God had to do that to cover them. Why? So that they can stand before God and hear what God has to say to them. They couldn't just stand before God. No, he had to cover them with the skin of an animal with blood to enable them to have a stand for him to tell them the consequence of what they have done. Are we in the building? 
their kids ought to have learned from that. Because they were coming before God. So Cain now is bringing his fruit, he's bringing his works, he's bringing his efforts, trying to, to qualify himself. Abel, learning from what had happened with his parents, said, I can't approach God on my own. I need a substitution. So he brought an animal which is a type of Jesus' sacrifice. That is why Abel was accepted. Because Abel expressed faith in the sacrifice of Christ. That's why by faith, Abel, Hebrews 11.4. But of Cain, he was of the wicked one. Why? Because he is an abomination. Why? He tried to buy God's presence. Are we teaching good? And God said, no. If you do well, sin offering lieth at your door. What you ought to have brought is a sin offering. Not fruits of farm. I don't eat corn. I don't eat tomatoes. All I want is sin offering. But you are trying to buy my forgiveness and acceptance with papa. Guava. So Cain came to God on his own merit. He was called wicked. Abel was called righteous. Why was he called righteous? Because he didn't come in his own strength. He came by the blood. So that offering was his faith in the blood. And the Bible tells us that that blood is nothing to be compared with the blood of Jesus. That speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Are you still in the building? So the blood of Abel is the blood of the animal that he brought. The blood of Jesus is the blood of the Son of God of whom that blood of Abel typified. So imagine Cain's sin is what people do today. Your money, your offering, your tithes is not a means of justification. Your money, your offerings, your tithes is not a means for justification. I have had people say your offering will speak for you. That's total nonsense. The blood of Jesus speaks for you. Your offering cannot speak for you. It is Christ's offering that speaks for you. So the giving of the tithe, either by Abraham, Jacob, or under the law, was never a means for justification. In Numbers 18.20, I'm going to read three scriptures as I begin to cap up this first service. In Numbers chapter 18 verse 20. Numbers 18.20. Please listen carefully to the scriptures I'm about to read. Numbers chapter 18 verse number 20. Are you there? And the Lord spake unto Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance. In their land. Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land. Neither shalt thou have any part among them. I am thy part and thine inheritance among the children of Israel. So we see three portions of scripture. Please look at me everybody. God lays a foundation for the tithe. God lays a foundation. Aaron belongs to the tribe of Levi. 
That's the same land we are talking about. Now look carefully at 18, Numbers chapter 18, verse 21 to 23. Please listen carefully as I read. And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tents in Israel for an inheritance. For their service which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. 22. Neither must the children of Israel henceforth come nigh the tabernacle of the congregation, lest they bear the sin and die. But the Levites do the service. The Levites do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statue forever throughout your generations that among the children of Israel they have no inheritance. Whenever you hear forever, anytime you hear forever, it means what God alone will do. Forever. Now, that same numbers, chapter 18, let's read 24 to 29. Long read, but important. But the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer as an heave offering unto the Lord, I have given to the Levites to inherit. Therefore, I have said unto them, Among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, 26, Thus speak unto the Levites, and say unto them, when you take of the children of Israel the tithes, which I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall offer up and heave offering of it for the Lord, even a tenth part of the tithe. And this your heave offering shall be reckoned unto you, as though it were the corn of the threshing floor, and as the fullness of the wine press. Are you still following? 28. Thus you shall also offer and heave offering unto the Lord of all your tithes which you receive of the children of Israel, and you shall give thereof the Lord's heave offering to Aaron the priest. 29. Out of all your gifts, you shall offer every heave offering of the Lord, of all the best thereof, even the hallowed part thereof out of it. Look at me, everybody. There were 12 tribes. How many tribes? 12. So God picks a tribe that were to stand as priests. They were not to walk. They were not to do business. They were to stay in the tabernacle. So, whatever everybody in Israel earned, they will support the children of Levi with a tent of it. So, 12 tribes of Israel, one tribe secluded, 11 tribes are to bring 10%. So, at the end of the day, 110% of all the land goes to the Levites. Are we in the building? Now, so they were supposed to take a tithe, the Levites, out of the 110%, the Levites were to take a tithe and put it in the storehouse. Are we following? So there was tithe to the Levites, then there was tithe of tithe that will be put in the storehouse. Okay? Are you following? Now that's the one Malachi said, the Levites were robbing God. Now, <clears throat> Deuteronomy 12, 17 to 19. Please be patient. Let's, let's explore these things together. Deuteronomy 12, 17 to 19. Glory to God. Thou mayest not eat within thy gates. 
the tithe of thy corn or of thy wine or of thy oil or the firstlings of thy herds or of thy flock nor any of thy vows which thou vowest nor thy freewill offerings or heave offering of thine hands but thou must eat them before the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy main servant and thy maid servant and the liver that is within thy gates, thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God in all that thou puttest thy hands unto. Take it to thyself, that thou forsake not the Levite, as long as thou livest upon the earth. Deuteronomy 26, 11 to 19. That's the third scripture. Deuteronomy 26, 11 to 19. And thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God giveth unto thee. And unto thine house, thou and the Levite and the stranger that is among you. When thou hast made an end of tithing all the tithes of thine increase, the third year, which is the year of tithing, and has given it unto the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Take note of that classification. The Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that they may eat within thy gates and be filled. 13. Then thou shalt say before the Lord thy God, I have brought away the hallowed things out of my house, and also have given them unto the Levite, and unto the stranger, to the fatherless, to the widow, according to all thy commandments, which thou hast commanded me. I have not transgressed thy commandments, neither have I forgotten them. I have not eaten thereof in my morning, neither have I taken away aught therefore thereof for any unclean use, nor given aught therefore thereof for the dead. But I have hearkened to the voice of the Lord my God, and have done according to all that thou hast commanded me. Look down from thy holy habitation from heaven, and bless thy people Israel, and the land which thou hast given us, as thou swearest unto our fathers, a land that floweth with milk and honey. They are already in the land. This day the Lord thy God had commanded thee to do these statutes and judgments. Thou shalt therefore keep to them with all thine heart and with all thy soul. 17. Thou hast avouched the Lord this day to be thy God and to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments to hearken unto his voice. And the Lord had avouched thee this day to be his peculiar people as he had promised thee and thou shouldest keep all his commandments. 19. And to make thee high above all nations which he had made in praise and in name and in honor. And that thou mayest be an holy people unto the Lord thy God as he has spoken. Now look at me. Notice. Number one. God determined the use of the tithe. God determined the use of the tithe. Number two. He commanded in Numbers 18 that the tithe should be a portion for the Levites. The tithe should be a portion for the Levites. In Deuteronomy 12, where we read, he told us where the Levite can be given and when. And he told us how, where, when, and how it should be eaten. In Deuteronomy 12, he told us where the tithe can be given and when the tithe should be given. And he told us how the tithe should be eaten. Number three. We see the frequency of the tithing. We see the yearly one. And the one done every three years. Where he mentions the Levites, the strangers, and the fatherless 
and the widows. Now, look at Deuteronomy 14.26. He now mentions the attitude. 14.26, Deuteronomy. And thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. For oxen, or for sheep, or for wine, or for strong drink, or for whatsoever thy soul desireth. And thou shalt eat there before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice. That's the attitude. When they pay the tithe, they are not supposed to be frowning. They are supposed to eat it and rejoice. That's the attitude. Alright? Now, why did God ask for the tithe? That's what we've been trying to arrive at. Why? Why? What was the intent? Why did God ask for the tithe? Please pay attention. We have seen clearly that the tithe did not go to heaven. He commanded where the tithe should go. God says, out of all I give you, there is one that is not for you. So he says, it is for the Levites, the strangers, widows, and fatherless. So God determined the way it was used. Now look at why all this. We have seen how it was used. We have seen what it was used for. Now, what's the point? Why couldn't God just bless the Levite, bless the stranger, bless the widow, and bless the fatherless? There should be a reason. Now, he told them why in Deuteronomy 14. And that's what every believer needs to look at. The reason. Because God never changes. If God has a reason ever for something, that thing may not be applicable the same way, but that reason will still suffice. Because God never changes his mind. Okay? So what was the reason behind the tithe? That's fundamental. Deuteronomy 14.22 Deuteronomy 14.22 and thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed, that the field bringeth forth year by year. 23. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God, in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thine oil, and the firstlings of thy herds and of thy flocks. Why? That thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. That's the reason. That thou mayest learn to fear the Lord your God always. Give me the amplified of Deuteronomy 14.23. Deuteronomy chapter 14.23, the amplified version. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place in which he will cause his name and his presence to dwell. The tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the firstlings of your herd and your flock. That you may learn reverently to fear the Lord your God always. That you may learn to honor God. Or that you may learn to reverence God. To honor God or to reverence God. So the reason for the tithe was worship. Worship. To honor God or to reverence God or to worship God. The reason for the tithe was reverence. 
He makes it clear that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Now the question we should ask ourselves in the church age is, is the reason sustainable today? That's the question we should ask ourselves. That reason, is it sustainable today? Eh? Eh? Okay, you say no, you say yes. What is the reason? To honor God. To reverence God. To worship God. Is that reason still valid today? As Are we still required to worship God? Are we still required to honor God? Are we still required to reverence God? So the reason for the tithe is sustainable today. The reason is sustainable. Okay? Now, so since the reason is sustainable, is the how sustainable? <laughs> eh? Is the how sustainable? Eh? The how is year by year. The how is year by year because that is when the harvest is brought in. So is the how sustainable? No. You don't order God once a year. So the how expires. But the why is sustainable. We are rightly dividing now. Are we working together? Okay, now. Again, the type of the tithe. What was the tithe? What were the things for tithe? Herbs and animals. Is this sustainable today? No. No. Now, the next question is, where are they supposed to bring the tithe to? The temple. Is the venue sustainable today? No, because we don't have temples anymore. So temple, gone. Year by year, gone. But why? Sustained. Power City, are you here? Okay, now. The cardinal fact of the tithe is that God asked it so that they will fear him. Can we sustain that in the new covenant? Yes. Fear there is honor. It seems to be that we cannot sustain the frequency, we cannot sustain the tithe, we cannot sustain where, because that's the temple. And you are the temple today of the Holy Ghost. You are the New Testament priest and king. Eh? But we can sustain the why. We can sustain the why, but we can't sustain the when, we can't sustain the what, but we can sustain the why. The why is so that you fear God and honor Him. So question, can we sustain the why in the new covenant? Yes. Can we sustain the worship of God, the honor of God in the new covenant? What I'm simply saying is, is there a teaching in the new covenant for honoring God? Is there a teaching in the new covenant for worshipping God? Exactly. So that reason why they gave the tithe, which was honor and worship, can be sustained. But the products and the venue and the, the yearly givings 
cannot is abolished. What's most important is the why. So the basis of the tithe is to honor God, to fear God. And do you know that the basis of the tithe was not the blessing? They didn't give the tithe to be blessed. They were blessed before they gave it. So why did they give it? To honor God. And today, we give to honor God. So there's a lesson we are taking out of the tithe that is applicable as instruction in righteousness in the New Testament, which is to honor God. If I'm teaching good, say I hear you. Please pay attention because I'm, I'm rounding up right now. Now, Abraham was blessed, then he gave the tithe. Jacob said, if you bless me, then I will tithe. But when we get to the law of Moses, the law had to tie blessings to tithe. Because the law is about works. <laughs> the law is about performance. You know why? You know why? You know why? You know why they tie blessings to the tithing under the law? Because of their heart. Since their heart is hard, let's tie something that will motivate them to do it. Let's tie. If you tithe, I will bless. If you don't tithe, devour us. So that this, their hardened heart, can be softened by what is tied to it. Moses, because of the hardness of your heart. But we today don't have hardened heart. So we don't need blessing to be tied to our givings. Our hearts are hearts of flesh. We honor God. Not because of what we want to get, but because of what he has done. If I'm teaching God, shout, I hear you. We honor God because of what he has done. So the word fear there is the word honor. Why should they honor me? Because I have given them everything they have. I've given them everything they have. Oh, you don't know the blessing that you have in Christ. You are busy complaining of not having enough money. <laughs> there are people that have enough money but cannot stand up. They can't stand up. Some time back, I had dizzy spells. I understand the blessing of being able to stand and move like this. Dizzy spells. I'll just wake up in the morning. If I just stand up, I fall. I couldn't stand. Then I said, ah, and people just stand up and move freely like that. I said to mama, honey, I can't stand. She said, what do you mean? I said, I'm telling you, I just woke up this morning. As I got out of the bed and put my leg, the whole place was swimming. I fell back on the bed. I can't stand. Even when I consciously by force try to walk, I, I start tilting to one side. So I have to hold something to gain balance. And I can't move fast. And that spell, those dizzy spells kept coming off and on for two weeks. It was terrible for me. Then I started saying to God, the day these things leave me, I would thank you for the ability to stand up and walk and be able to balance. Then I say, so there are, there are people that cannot balance. So even being able to stand and balance is a blessing. There is more to life than money. There are many things you have taken for granted. You are not even aware of all the blessings you have. I mean, imagine me not able to stand. How will I preach now? 
How will I preach? That will have been the end of my ministry and the end of my life. Because if I can't preach, why will I be alive now? It's useless as far as I'm concerned. I would rather just die. Why would I be on earth and be useless? And within two weeks, everything left. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Then I did like this. So I can stop. I did like this. I did like this. I said, ah, I did like this. I stopped. I went backward. I went forward. I said, thank you, Jesus. You never know the blessing you have to even be able to keep your head like this. It's a blessing. There are people that their head can lose that. Oh, you don't know. <laughs> when we talk about God has given you power, that's the blessing. Somebody shout, I am, I am blessed. See, there are people with money that cannot urinate. I'm not joking. They cannot urinate. A young man came here for prayer. He cannot urinate. When his urine gather, they will take him to hospital. They will collect money to remove it. He came here for prayer. I ministered to him and prayed for him. He said two days after the prayer, when he got home, in Uyo here, something told him to go by the tap. 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 You know tap? Tap that brings water. Okay? So he went to the water tap and stood. And then he opened the tap and the water was flowing. He said he believes he's the spirit of God. That as he was watching the water flowing out of the tap effortlessly, he started urinating. He urinated inside his trouser. But for him, he was happy to urinate inside his trouser. That was how God delivered him. From that day, he started urinating. That's how his own miracle manifested. You just urinate anyhow. Freely, without knowing that there are people that pay to urinate. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Let everything that has bread, if there is some people here with bread, get on your feet and let's give God some praise. Glory! 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 Move forward. Move backward. Move sideways. Move sideways. Stand. Move your head. Forward. Backward. Is God not good to you? God is good. When you think of all of this, that is why God said, so that you take a portion of your income and give to me so that you will always acknowledge that it was not you that got it. It's my power and blessing that enable you to get it. Am I teaching good? That is why God instituted the tithe. And I have not finished though. You know we have not arrived. We, we are still traveling in the next service. There are a number of things I am going to show you in the next service that will, that will bless you real good. A number of things. Because we must exhaust the lessons that we have from the tithe. Which are the lessons that the church of today will use in the preaching of the gospel. That is why we give today. That is why we give today. There are lessons to glean out that are doctrinally established. That's why we worship. That's why we give. 
Every time we give, we are honoring God. Every time we give, what our money is saying is, God, it's not because I'm smart. God, it's not because I'm connected. God, it's not because I went to school. God, it's not because I'm a graduate. There are many graduates that cannot eat. God, it's not because I'm very handsome or beautiful or I'm attractive. There are too many attractive people that are in brothels and, 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 and prostitution homes. But it is you. I am what I am by the grace of God. So when money comes, what do you do? You deliberately take a portion. When you take a portion of your money aside for the worship of God, what you are saying in essence is, God, you are the reason why I got it. But when you eat all, what you are saying is, God, without you I can do. Every time you eat all your income, and you casually bring change to God, what you are saying is, God, I can do without you. By myself, I am self-sufficient. The tithe is to establish your loyalty and the acknowledging that God is your source. That was why they were giving tithe. We in the New Testament, the, the lesson we learn is not just 10%. 10% is the limit. Our limit is 10%. I will show you in the next service. Our limit, we can't go below it, no matter how bad. That's where we start from. And we move forward. Am I teaching good? Yes. Yes. Your understanding of God and your honor and worship and reverence for God is the reason why if Monday you have extra 50,000, you take a portion God, it's not because I'm smart too. This one is for you. Tuesday, you have 20,000. You take another one. God, this is for you. As money is coming, the money is not coming too much that you don't have the, the, the sense to take a portion. That portion you are taking is the reverence for God. Is the honor of God. Are we together here? Don't ever eat all. It's a fool that eats all. It's a fool that eats all. Are you hearing me now? Don't ever eat all. There are no percentages given in the New Testament. God allows you to determine the percentage based on your understanding of what it means to honor. God allows you. Are you not his child? You are his child. Let him see how much his child has sense. Let him see if what I am teaching you is entering. Because the proof of what I am teaching entering will be in the practice of it. If you know these things and you do them, happy are you. I am teaching good. Some say, but God says he loves a cheerful Wait, cheerful giver. Let me enter second service. You will know the meaning of cheerful giver. I will give you the exegesis of what it means to be a cheerful giver. It's not like I will give it if I like. That is how happy I am. Mm -mm. That's not what it means. That's your own layman interpretation. I'll give you Bible interpretation of cheerful giver. Because, listen carefully friends. Our ability to recognize and honor God in this life is the greatest blessing we can have. And it comes by teaching. It's true that all those things are abolished. 
But the reason for it is sustained. Hallelujah. Say with me, Lord. You are the reason for everything in my life. You are the source of my life. You are not just the source. You are the only source. You are the only source. My confidence, my trust is in you. I rely on you. And to prove it, I honor you with my substance. I honor you with my increase. Intentionally, deliberately, I honor you. I didn't hear a good amen. Father, thank you for the privilege of teaching your word. Thank you for the opportunity to bring truth to your people. Thank you for the light that is shining in our hearts. Thank you that veils are falling and understanding is dawning on our, our, our minds. Lord, I decree that everyone hearing the sound of my voice in this building, online, on television, on radio, that this revelation grows big. So we begin to live our lives in honor. We begin to live honorable lives. Lives of honor. Thank you, Lord. Look at me, everybody. Do you know that Jesus went to his hometown and they dishonored him and he could do nothing for them? Dishonor is costly. In Mark chapter 6, he couldn't do anything for his brethren because they dishonored him. Jesus is God. Dishonor shortsecutes you. And creates a room for devourers. There are devourers. Oh. No, no, no. There are devourers. Neither give room. Who is that? Devourer. You can create room for Satan by dishonor. You can create room for Satan by a life of dishonor. Jesus could do nothing for them. Because they said, is he not the carpenter's son? We know him. Uh, familiarity. And he couldn't do anything. Listen, when you live in dishonor, you never change. You will be walking like an elephant. The impact will not show. Because the blessing is not on the work of your hands. He couldn't help them. And he said, a prophet is without honor. No honor. You people have dishonored me. I can't bless you. My prophetic ministry will not benefit you. And he went to other places and look at things happening. Mighty works because they honored him. Anywhere you find a people of honor, you see the blessing. The blessing of God. See, the blessing of God is not money. The blessing of God is that thing that is behind you that makes anything you touch, it just works. Anything you just touch, just your presence makes things happen because of what is behind you. That's the blessing. That's God on a man. Are we teaching good? If you're hearing, say, I hear you. I was just praying and the Holy Ghost called my attention to that. Father, thank you, Lord. We are a people of honor. We honor you. We honor you in our lives. And we honor you with our resources. And we acknowledge that all that we are and all that we have and all that we will ever be is because of you. We are because you are. Thank you, Father. And I decree that in this service, the blessing is upon your people. Every sick body be healed right now. In the name of Jesus, I say be healed right now. Thank you, Father, for answer prayer.
In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Are you blessed this morning or what? Glory! Get out an offering. Let's honor the word of God. Get out an offering. Let's honor the word of God. <clears throat> Those of you watching online, we have come of age online to know that you don't just listen to teaching and just sign out. When it's time to give, you must honor, you must honor the word and honor the ministry that brought the word to you. That's the mark of growing in knowledge. So online, there are banking details. On television, there are banking details. We're all giving in honor of the ministry that has ministered to us. And I'm going to talk a lot about that in the second service. I'm going to talk about all of the things that concerns us as a church, as a family. While we take all the offerings, we take what they are used for. And I'm going to show you from scripture how that the scripture is behind all that we do in giving in this church. So that from the point of knowledge and faith, you can be giving intentionally. Can I have a powerful amen? amen. Lift up your offerings. Let's pray. Father, everyone giving this morning, the blessing is upon our givings. And we thank you that everyone in this building, under the sound of my voice, on TV, on radio, on the internet, I decree that you lack nothing. You're supplied in all things. You've been blessed. And the blessing is upon your businesses, upon your career, upon your family, upon your profession, upon the works of your hands, in the name of Jesus. And I declare that the enemy has no access to your resources. We banish him in the name of Jesus. God's favor is at work on your behalf. Great grace is upon you. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says that amen on a note of final letter. Listen to me online, family. You don't want to go away. You, you want to stay back and join the next service at 11 a.m. Get more people to be part of it because we're going to totally empty this whole thing on the lessons on the tithe. But I want to thank you for always giving me the opportunity to serve you the grace of God. And I want to thank all of you who partner with us and continually give to support what we do for the kingdom. It's because of your giving that this world is reaching the nations of the earth. And there's a reward for you before Jesus. There's a reward for you because it's not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. So we love you and we thank you again. Looking forward to connecting with all of you at 11 a.m. GMT plus one. And until then, enjoy the grace of Christ. Let's celebrate viewers around the world for being a part of this service this morning. Glory! Amen! Woo! Glory to God forevermore. Hit it, let's do it as we give. Anywhere on the pulpit, just drop your offerings this morning. Hallelujah! Or email powercityoffice at gmail.com You cannot teach the title law as giving. You are bringing back what is dead to life. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. The tithing law is dead. The Bible says the dead shall be thrown into the lake of fire. He killed Malachi 3 that he may establish the second. So if they take you to Malachi 3, take them to Revelation 22 that the dead shall be thrown into the lake of fire. So, the tithing law has been killed. It must not exist side by side. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me what? Free from the law of sin and death. Join Dr. Abel Damino. 
the senior pastor of Power City International as he explores exegetically Bible doctrine on tithe and tithing. Date from Sunday 14th of March to Sunday 21st of March 2021. Time Monday 15th to Saturday 20th 6 p.m. daily. Sundays 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. GMT plus one. Join the broadcast on Radio Aquibum 90.5 FM Uyo 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. XL FM 106.9 Uyo 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. daily. Unuyo FM 100.7 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Comfort FM 95.1 Uyo 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Inspiration FM 105.9 Uyo 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. And Heritage Radio 104.9 10 p.m. till midnight. And also on Kingdom Life Network Station. Also live on Facebook at Abel Damino Public Figure, YouTube Abel Damino Ministries International, Twitter Abel Damino, and Instagram at Abel Damino. Watch real time. Host Doctors Abel and Rachel Damino. Don't miss out. <laughs> 